This is Lydia and welcome back to the Creative Disruption Podcast. This episode's topic is about the humanitarian crisis in Syria and technology efforts to address it. According to the United Nations, there are over 4 million refugees who have been displaced either internally or externally in host countries in the region, such as Turkey, Lebanon, Jordan, Iraq, and Egypt, as well as others outside the region. Rebuilding a life after war is a challenging endeavor on all fronts and for everyone involved. It's a challenge for governments affected by the war who have limited resources to work with. It's a challenge for their allies sending in support trying to determine which would be the most useful aid and figuring out how best to get it to the right people. And as hospitals have become targets, it's been even more difficult for medical aid to reach those in need and protect those who offer it. And of course, the countless affected people who either stay in the country after the war has ended or have fled have become refugees elsewhere. In such circumstances, addressing basic needs such as providing food, shelter, and clothing has become a a daunting task. This is a continued need that the government and external countries can provide for a temporary period of time to help individuals affected by the conflict, whether displaced or not, to pick up the pieces and rebuild their lives. Many initiatives have sprung up to try and address this problem. Through conferences and hackathons and collaborative efforts, the nonprofit organization TechFugees tackles this problem with a crowdsourced approach by bringing engineers, entrepreneurs, and startups together, and then linking them up with NGOs and other agencies. Refugee Tech has a similar philosophy, as they focus on connecting stakeholders, innovators, and tech-savvy people to develop creative solutions to address the refugee crisis. Their strategy is to take the conversations they've had with refugees about their problems and find people who can give them solutions through innovative technology. The best ideas that come out of the research then get turned into tools and services to improve the lives of thousands of refugees. The team at Migration Hub focuses on the migration challenge in Europe and looks to find architectural and design solutions to solve those problems. For the millions who are displaced, it's been a difficult task to register them, and the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees has enlisted IRISGARD to help compile a database of the refugees. Through the use of iris scans and a means of identification and form of registration, Iris Guard has already registered over 1.6 million vulnerable Syrian refugees displaced throughout the neighboring countries in the Middle East. Thanks to this iBank, refugees are getting quicker access to food in Jordan and are able to withdraw money from banks securely. This technology is a milestone in overcoming challenges posed by lost documentation and paperwork of the refugees. After food, shelter, and safety have been addressed, the refugees then need to address another problem, and that's finding work. It's become a vicious cycle when these individuals cannot find work or do not have the skills to acquire work and provide the basics, food, shelter, clothing. In this episode, we talk to Kiran University, which is one of the biggest educational institutions for refugees in the world, and hear about how their university helps refugees get their life back on track. What makes them so unique is that they're a blended learning institution. And what that means is that they combine digital education online and offline education to provide academic programs. Because of their innovative approach to education, they're finalists at the Google Impact Challenge. For those who aren't aware of the Google Impact Challenge, it's a global initiative aimed towards local nonprofits asking them how they would use innovation to make a better world. And the public gets to vote for the projects that they think have the greatest impact potential. Here's my interview with the head of innovation at Kiran University. Hi, we're here today with Juan Mendieta, who's the head of innovation for Kiran University. Juan, welcome. 
Hey, thank you very much. Hey, I'm very excited to be here. Um, I'm going to be talking about Chiron and how how we've been leading, uh, dealing with innovation in the topic of helping refugees to integrate into the German society and the European society through education. I hear that Chiron is the biggest educational institute for refugees in the world. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, so, I mean, we, we probably are not the biggest, but at least I think we are, we are on our way because our, our use of innovation and technology is giving us the capacity in a very, very short time to grow, to grow very fast. So if you could compare a little bit what we do with a, with a tech startup, our, our, our rates of growth are very, very high. Uh, we only started one year and a half ago. But even though at this moment we, what? You've grown so fast. Yeah, yeah. So we started a year and a half ago, and in in that time, at, until today, we have a base of more than 350 volunteers supporting the project, and already more than 30 full-time employees working on on making this a reality, from software developers to designers to marketeers and business developers in the team. And how do you fund yourselves? I hear this university is also a crowd-funded university. That's a very unique a way to get financing for a university. Could you tell us more? Yeah, so um, obviously the idea is not to be all our life crowd-funded, but it was a very good way to get started. So at the beginning, we launched our first crowdfunding campaign, and this crowdfunding campaign raised 500,000 euros in only donations in Germany, becoming the most successful social crowdfunding campaign in Europe. And that initial money was enough to push the company to attract foundations, to attract partner, partner institutions that wanted to support us, like the BMW Foundation or Google.org, trying to push this, this project. And then after we finished our crowdfunding campaign anyway, we open a, be, a better place campaign, which is not a crowdfunding campaign on its own because it's not, it's not close to a specific time, but in general, uh, it's just an open system for donations. But it looks like because we were, we were recognized as an institution using crowdfunding, anyway, our donation system has been very successful, and we collect every month uh, a good amount of money through donations only through our digital platforms. That's fascinating. And um, will you be getting more money if you win the Google Impact Challenge? Uh, you're finalists for that. Uh, could you please tell us more? Yeah, so actually, I mean, we're, uh, uh, right now, we're in the finals of the Google Impact Challenge. Uh, when we got to the final, already we got awarded 250,000 euros. And if we, if we win the finals, we'll get another 500,000. So as part of our strategy, we try to combine the crowdfunding also with being very good at applying to different competitions and different European funding. So the Google Impact Challenge is, is one of the biggest ones that, that we are now participating. But for example, we're also taking part in the competition of human rights from the UN. And we're taking part in a, a bunch of competitions. Some of them we already won, some of them we are still in the race. This is amazing. And so now if a refugee wanted to, to come and study at the university, how do they do it? How does that work in terms of what if they don't speak the language? Yeah, so, so our, our programs are at the moment 
uh, a combination of online curriculum with a physical curriculum. This, these bachelor programs that we offer, for example, three-year programs, have two years online where the courses are in English. And then the third year, depending on the partner university, they need to make a transition either to German or continuing English or to the language that the university uses. How do the students pay for the admission fees? Okay, so uh, regarding the cost of studying at Chiron, so at the moment the fees are completely free. So students can go through all the digital content for free and even the third year in a partner university is for free because the partnerships that we've been creating. In general, especially in Germany, education is public and is subsidized by the state. So for a partner university, the cost of accepting one extra student or a couple of extra, extra students for the third year is not that high. So we've been able to convince a bunch of universities in Germany to give this third year for free, giving us the capacity to offer the whole bachelor's for free. And then on top of that, we've been working very hard on setting up study hubs on trying to get computers and digital resources for the best students and, uh, and yeah, work, work in that way. So if I understood correctly, it's completely free. The two years online are free. And then the third year, which they do at a physical university, you're working with the various partnered universities to get that third year even for free. Yeah, we are giving it for free. We already, we already have uh, agreements with universities in Germany that they agree to give the third year for free. We hope that we can, we can continue that in the future for future generations, but at least every student that is studying now would be able to have a third year for free. And what if a refugee has not acquired official refugee status? Can they come to your university? In general, what we try to focus is on refugees with either refugee status, but we also trust in people. So if someone says, I'm a refugee, I don't have refugee status, but I, I know I will get it because I am a refugee, and I have a document that says that I'm in the process of the application, we allow them to study, we allow them to start, but of course, we make clear that it's under their own, their own risk, but we, we do not block them to start. That's amazing. And so uh, looking forward, what are your future plans now? Well, so obviously, there are, there are two main things that we're doing. The first one is, of course, trying to grow at an international level. We want to become a European solution for integration of refugees through higher education in Europe. Right now, we're also opening offices in Istanbul and Jordan since there is a high demand for our programs like ours there. We yeah. have our office in, in Brussels, in Amsterdam, and in Paris. Mm -hmm. And then outside of trying to grow a program, we're also trying to get a lot of different new business models and business and proposals inside of, inside our educational program. So just to give you an example, uh, here in Brussels, we are, we are pushing forward to a program that is, instead of a three-year bachelor program, a one-year program in software development. Because we realize that not all refugees want to have a three-year program because it might be a little bit long for them and they really want to get, get right. into a job. So, so then we're starting to create the, 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 yeah, we're trying to create this different uh, set of programs. And for example, the one in software development is being very successful and uh, students, students apply a lot and they really like it because they see the potential in the market to become software developer is really high and the language barrier is really low. This is a very amazing. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk.
I thank you again for joining us on this podcast. And I wish you the best of luck, and I hope that um, you win that Google Impact Challenge. Uh, I hope so too. So uh, also if, you, if we can ask everyone listening to this to vote for us, Google Impact Challenge, the website is kiron.university. And you probably can find the link for voting to vote for us just on the, on the first banner. Thank you so much, Juan. Thank you very much. So far, Kiron is offering three-year undergraduate programs, but they aspire to offer more in the coming years and continue with their innovative blended learning approach. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll leave you with some follow-on food for thought questions. One, humanitarian aid has come in many forms. How can Kiron and Kiron-like organizations contribute to nation-state efforts in providing education? Two, countless children are affected by war and have to stop their formal education. Should a Kiron school for children be established or something similar? What would be the challenges in creating something like this? Three, regarding business innovation, what other types of businesses could be created around helping refugees get their life back on track? I hope these questions provide some useful food for thought. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.